What's up? I am the host with the most, Keith Bullock, with my main man, Don Povia. Riding shotgun. We are the outside game. It's been a long time, but we haven't left you. What's up, Don? How you been? <laughs> Keith, I haven't heard that opening in a couple weeks. Doesn't mean we haven't been busy. Uh, thank you, Mr. Monday Night. I am back. You are back. What is new with you? Where are you now? Uh, right now, um, I'm in sunny California. It's a lot of rain on the East Coast, and, you know, with President's Weekend, um, you know, my kids got a little break, and I had some flyer miles to use, so uh, we got out of town and came out to uh, L.A. for the weekend. And, yeah, speaking of travel, uh, we were just together down in sunny Miami at the time. I am stuck in the rain here in Jersey, as is our guest, who we'll be with in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, down in Miami, exciting. We were there for Super Bowl week in the lead-up. Keith, you've done any number of these, as have I. I'm usually out of there by the time the game is happening, just doing the work stuff on Media Row. But what was your impression of Miami? How was it better, worse, different, same as, uh, as these other ones that you've done in the past? Um, I would say that's, uh, I think that's my second Miami or third Miami, but now I'm, I'm retired, um, out of the NFL. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's a different situation, but, um, honestly, it, with that being said, I feel like it was, um, you know, one of the more busier Super Bowl weeks that I've been to, you know, I got there, you know, Tuesday left Friday, um, Friday morning or Saturday morning, but, um, yeah, it was so many different parties, events, media, it just was a lot going on. And it was just interesting to see how much, uh, that landscape has grown. I tend to think I like the, um, smaller cities, um, because you can't spread everything out so far, but, you know, I still had a great time. It's hard to have a bad time in Miami, even if it does rain a little bit. <laughs> For sure. Well, speaking of parties, we did do our uh, our cigar lounge. We had a couple of hiccups, but by uh, you know, by all accounts that I've gotten, um, you know, we had a great reception. Uh, we had some some business folks there. We had some media folks there. Uh, several players came through, past, present, different sports. Uh, Eddie George spinning was was awesome. Um, Jonathan Casillas, who had done our event in, in September, came through, which was cool. We had Greg Meskel, who was on Jonathan's panel, uh, actually conducting some interviews. So if you've been following the podcast and subscribed, uh, you've heard some of those interviews that, that Greg has done with some of the attendees that we had, and, and certainly more in the hopper coming out for that. But you know, one of the conversations that we had, and a lot of that was coming off of the heels of the untimely and unfortunate death of Kobe Bryant and uh, daughter and friends, um, but there was a lot of talk down in Miami about legacy. It seemed every event that we did had some sort of legend legacy type angle to it. And something that you spoke pretty freely about, and uh, I think sprung a lot of conversations, was about mentality and how mentality plays such a role in not just getting to the ultimate levels as a hall of fame or all-star caliber player on the field or on the court, but then what happens off the court and that, you know, mentality plays just as much a role uh, off the court in your second act as it does in, in that first act. And, and what is your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, my whole thing was like, you know, um, even when we're thinking about what we're going to talk about and, you know, then we started to see what the 
temperature was of all the different panels and stuff at, at the Super Bowl, and everybody's talking about legacy. And yeah, I get it. There's a ton of um, Hall of Famers there. They had the hundred year um, celebration and everything. And you know, um, we all know what someone's legacy looks like, but what set them on that path? What was their mentality in order to um, start? to even establish um, that legacy. And, you know, you don't start off like, oh, this, I'm going to have a legacy and this is how I'm going to do it. Now nah, you have a, a mentality um, towards um, your, your craft, your work, you, you know, the approach that you take, you know, all plays into that. And I think that's what the people, you know, because we're trying to put together a program, you and I, you know, the, what we're going to have uh, um, to speak about with our guests. And I just, just have me thinking everybody's missing, you know, because they don't know. You know what I'm saying? They're missing, you know, the point and where it starts. So, you know, that's just where I was at with it. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool that um, we have a guest that's a, a doctor expert in this field. Well, you know, uh, it's a great point. And, uh, yeah, people think they're going to roll out of bed and be successful because they've been successful in one path or another. Um, but, yeah, speaking of our guest, it's a great uh, opportunity to bring him on. We've been trying to get him on for a while, but I think that conversation that we had last week just kind of opened the door for sort of perfect timing on this. And uh, we're joined by Tom Schoenfelder. Tom is from a company called Caliper. Uh, really what they do is, you know, we're speaking anecdotally and as a fan and as a player of what we think mentality means. And I certainly think we have valid uh, arguments, points, points of view. Uh, but Tom comes at this from a data science and an analytics standpoint. So Tom, uh, welcome to the show. And, and I'm sure you can give us a much better better description of what you do than I just did. So please, by all <laughs> means, let us know, uh, you know, what's going on with Caliper? What is Caliper? And, and you know, as, a, as an overarching company, and then we'll talk about the sports specific stuff. Uh, sure. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. This is uh, this is going to be great, I think. Um, yeah, so Caliper is a, uh, you think of us as sort of a talent management uh, consulting firm, right? So we go in, uh, you know, with our business clients and, you know, we, we do assessment. We, we assess personality. We assess people's motivations. We, you know, we, 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 we probe the psychology of the person and then we, we, we try to make them better at what they do, uh, you know, whether it be hiring them or putting them in positions that play to their natural strengths or, you know, taking some of their, you know, their strengths and maybe some of their, what we like to call developmental opportunities or some things that they're not necessarily motivated to do and sort of work with them and, and sort of to coach and develop and, and build, uh, you know, sort of an, a, a comprehensive skill set for whatever job it is that they're looking to, uh, to, to perform in, or, you know, as we, as one progresses in one's career, what, what the, what's next, as you mentioned, you know, what's next, you know, what's the second act, what's the third act. Uh, we, we can identify what they need to work on early and get them working on that, uh, you know, as soon as possible to get them to where they want to be. And, and the types of clients that you consult with, again, put the sports aside for now. Mm -hmm. Are we talking Fortune 500 companies? Are these companies looking to get any advantage or maximize the skill sets and, and uh, talents of the, of the client or the, sorry, the employees that they have? What does a typical uh, client profile look like for you? Yeah, now yeah, I think you're you're spot on with that. You, you're usually you're talking about uh, Fortune 500s, but you know not necessarily all. You know they're not all that large. But uh, what they do have in common is that they want to use 
analytics or what we call people analytics, you know, be taking some of those things that we often think of in, as the intangibles, sort of the soft skills, if you will. So, you know, those, when we talk about it in sports, we talk about those in, the intangibles, the uh, uh, the character and the instincts. And it really, when we talk about it in the business standpoint, it's largely the same stuff that we're trying to measure. Uh, you know, and we, we, we talk about soft skills or applied skills, but um, that's what they have in common is that they want to take that. They understand that we can actually put numbers around that. We can actually do that from an analytics point of view. We can identify where people's strengths and and opportunities for development are, put numbers around that, and see how much we can move the needle. And by moving that needle on people's personality and then on their um, on their behavior, we're also moving the needle on a lot of very important business outcomes, like you know revenue generated, achieving you know strategy and things of that nature. So it's you know putting numbers around the human element. Do you um, do you find it? easier to um, get those analytics um, around athletes or in the business world. And also, um, I find it interesting, um, it's an almost two-fold question, that part, athletes in business, and then um, the Division One athlete to the professional athlete. Do you see, mm-hmm. like, if you're tracking um, uh, Division One athletes since he was 18, and then you see him go to the NFL or the NBA or pro, pro um, is it a different analytic or does it pretty much stay the same? Uh, sure. That's the game. If you, <laughs> no, 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 I think, I, I think I know what you're trying to get at there. And, um, you know, the, the answer is, uh, you know, for the first part of that question is, is it easier, you know, doing it in the sports realm or in the business realm? Well, there is an element of sports that makes it easier because the data are more of ready, readily available and it's more obvious, mm. right? So we put numbers yeah. around everything in sports. And so we know, you know, we, we know how to quantify what it takes to be successful, what it takes to contribute to team wins. Uh, we've gotten very good at that. The, uh, you know, the folks that, that do that work have been really good at it. So then it just becomes a matter of matching the, um, the numbers around a person's motivations and personality, which we have got, gotten really good at. So it's really that, that, you know, that combination of availability of data makes, you know, the sports environment maybe a little easier to deal with. Uh, but with that said, now there are certain things in the business world that are also very quantitative and, and very much looks like, you know, how, uh, you know, how we would focus on uh, analytics in the sports realm. So, you know, very, very simple. Like if you're looking at, let's say, sales success, or you know, if if you're, you're a sales, someone in the sales role, we know like revenue generated and 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 creating the number of new clients. And there are a lot of things you can put numbers around if uh, you're, you're trying to identify someone in in terms of their success in sales. Um, you know, and so you think about all of the business metrics that we can actually collect when we do have those quantitative those numbers, it does become a lot easier because then what we're doing is we're just doing a statistical analysis to see how those numbers are predicted by the numbers in one's personality. Uh, it gets a little bit more, let's say, a little bit more murky when you're talking about, uh, you know, things that are a little more intangible, like, you know, leadership. What does that mean? How do you quantify an effective leader? Uh, then we have to get a little bit more creative. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it, like I said, it's real easy in sports because we have the numbers and we have the outcomes that are really quantifiable. But to the degree to which we have in any aspect of life, if you can quantify the results, uh, we can we, we, we can put the uh, personality to it. Nice. And then I think this, the second part of that question was, you know, what are those I think differentiating traits of guys that can be successful, say on the D one level to, you know, the professional level. 
Yeah, so and this became a very interesting study that we did a couple of years ago, and uh, so we've been doing work with professional teams for a uh, for about 25 years now, uh, MLB, NHL, NBA, and what we would do is provide uh, basically draft day recommendations. So you know, in addition to all of the physical attributes and all all of the scouting that goes on with uh, with these prospects, uh, we kind of come in and we say, okay, in addition to that, there is a psychological makeup of this individual that will tell us a lot about things like their discipline and their um, their competitiveness and you know are they going to be team focused and will they be a leader in the um, in, in the locker room but what we found when we looked at D1s and, and we started working maybe about five years ago uh, doing a lot of work with um, development on the D1 level what we found is a very interesting combination of personality traits that uh, really predict or differentiate those D1 athletes who are basically, you know, are, are you know, amongst the best athletes in the in the country. Uh, and what is it about the just the, the handful of those that can make it to that next level? Um, and if I, I, you know, obviously there are there are scouts that can tease out the nuances of of, of someone's game on on the court or on the field. Uh, but you know, to you know, to a lot of our eye, it, it, some of these athletes look just as good as what you know what you see in, in a pro level. What differentiates them? And what we found is that there are actually six personality traits that were really strong predictors. That when you put them together, they um, they look like what is defined as mental toughness in in sort of the larger research that's been going on in this area. So. You know, and you think about mental toughness. We, you know, it's 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 one of these things that we we throw around a lot, like instinct and about character. And we we, we throw the, the term around like everyone sort of knows it when they see it. Uh, but what we what we're able to do is actually sort of in in our science terms, we, we operationalized it. We were able to actually make it measurable. And how we did that is we looked at these six traits. And so things like what you would expect, some of the things you would, you would actually expect, right? So uh, one's ability to manage stress. So stress tolerance was a big, you know, a, a big predictor of making it to, to that next level. Uh, being resilient. So bouncing back from failure and rejection, picking yourself up, dusting yourself off. Those that have that inclination, that have that drive to be able to do that also uh, were much more likely to make it to the pros. Um, a, a sense of uh, psychological uh, and emotional energy, something that is very similar to uh, grit. I know grit's gotten a lot of uh, buzz lately, but um, it's it's sort of similar to that in that you can overcome obstacles. You have the psychological energy to overcome challenges and obstacles and, and, and the like. So you take those, and those are some of the more obvious ones, but maybe some of the less obvious ones, the ones that for the, the, the average fan, you don't necessarily see. It's the day-to-day -day grind uh, that, that makes the difference. Uh, so things like uh, what we call in, in, in the psycho babble world, we call it self-efficacy. But really what it, all it is is sort of that feeling that you can, uh, you can affect your outcomes on your own, like that you have control over, over your own outcomes. People that have that sense, um, uh, athletes that have that sense, are very much more likely to make the pros. Uh, and then you finish that up with a couple of like uh, really um, – 
uh, discipline-related traits. Uh, one being very specific is a, a what we call thoroughness. And what that equates to is running the drills day in and day out, doing the things on the field, or I'm sorry, on the practice field, that you need to do. Uh, so running them the right way each and every time, not taking shortcuts. Those that have that inclination also, as you can imagine, are uh, the, you know, the ones that are more likely to make it. And, um, and, and so what I think we bring to the table is that we're able to actually measure that and predict it in a, a reasonably accurate way. So I'm, I'm the general yeah, manager. Think, oh, Keith, real quick, sorry. Uh, sure. I was going to say, I'm the, I'm the general manager for, for the Tennessee Titans and Keith mm-hmm. Bullock's on my, on my draft board, right? We have the combine coming up and the NFL draft coming up pretty shortly. Um, to get this, these traits and these characteristics that you just went over, mm-hmm. um, do you need, is it a written test or do you need that sort of first person type interview? How do you assess them? Is it third you know, third party data, or do you need someone for your team to get in there and say, all right, let's put, you know, let's put Keith through the rigors here and, and, and see if he has what it takes to sort of make our team successful. So how do you collect that data from say, mm-hmm. you know, an individual if you're in the front office? Sure. And, and there are definitely a couple of ways in which you can collect those and get to those same conclusions about a person. What we do uh, is is more of that paper, paper and pencil version. Actually, it's more online, uh, you know, but uh, it's basically answering a series of questions about yourself, something that, you know, we, we kind of force them into uh, uh, making um, um, decisions about themselves, how they define themselves between, let's say, a series of all good things. Like, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm very conscientious in, in training um you know i uh, you know i'm very sociable with people um you know i'm, I'm very analytical i mean you, you think about like all of these things that everybody wants to be and you make them select over a number of these items you know what's most like them what's least like them and what we start developing is a pattern of how one defines themselves and it very much relates to the behavior that we see on the field and in you know in practice and in right general. so then obviously you can correlate that with the other data that you have it, exactly uh, on the field it's funny i took one of these tests and it was excruciating uh, on more of a corporate <laughs> level where it was right. like this or that right what best describes yeah. you this one right, right, it right, seemed right. like a lot of them were the same question over and over yes. and then they spit out this profile and my wife tells me that it, it nailed it <laughs> so <laughs> there you go Keith, sorry to cut you off there i just wanted to before we yeah. got too far away from those traits i just wanted to follow up on that no i was um i was i was right on right on board with the traits um but what i was what i was thinking is yeah we've taken i've taken one of those tests and i believe it to be the the wonder league test you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and when when you're an athlete and you're sitting there and you're taking all these these paper tests, like unless you went to like one of those, unless you're the type that cares about scoring on, um, you know, self like administered tests, then that's one thing. But if you're especially when it comes to going to the NFL, you know what I mean? Um, there's some guys I know that just like yo, just trying to get out of this room, and there's some guys that really put their time and effort into it. And, you know, they get a, te- a, a low score or a higher score, and then the analytics come back that he's this type of, uh, of player or this type of person, and very well so. He could be the leader type, but, um, you know, you can't really measure someone's heart, you know what I mean, um, when it comes to, to playing sports. So you can have someone that has the same, you know, they, they take the drills the, the same kind of way, you know, you get the same score from a guy from – Stanford and a guy from Southern Mississippi. Um, and at the same time, 
you know, the guy from Stanford, yeah, he looks the part, but the guy from Southern Mississippi has, has more heart, and that's something that can't be measured. So the guy from Stanford is probably going to be the first or second-round draft pick, and the Southern Miss guy is usually the later-round, you know, guy because I feel, this is my own personal opinion, um, of, you know, certain type things that don't come down when it comes to football specifically to um, sports. And then um, ultimately, you know, you get in camp and you figure it all out. But like when it comes to getting drafted and, and things like that, I just feel there are some in, immeasurables that uh, won't be seen until you actually get the player into your building. Yeah, and that's you know, that, that is absolutely true. I mean, there there are definitely going to be cases like that, and you know, and, and you know, when you take an assessment like this, what we're talking about, I mean, we're pointing in the right direction. Is it a hundred percent accurate? No, absolutely not. Are there things in addition that you want to uh, um, that you that you want to see for yourself? Absolutely. Uh, can these be developed? I mean, what we're measuring are natural inclinations, uh, but these things, you know, these traits are actually developing over time. As a matter of fact, with our D1 athletes, that is one of the more interesting findings is that when you think about, you know, that, that athlete and that, that, uh, that time of life, you know, 18 to 22 years of age, uh, a lot of this stuff is still developing. And what we're actually finding is not so much that in a static way that someone has either has these traits or don't have these traits, but what we, what we believe is happening is on the D1 level, those that actually get drafted and actually make it to the pros are not necessarily that there are more of this over, you know, in the course of their life, but that they have a maturity level that may be more advanced in, in these traits. Yeah. So as an 18 year old, you're a little bit more able to manage stress than your typical 18 year old. But that's, you know, that the other typical 18 year old in when they're 25 and 30 years of age, they will probably catch up. Uh, so it's more, it seems to me on this level, uh, more of a developmental thing. So I absolutely agree that there are things that you want to see for yourself and you, there, for sure, there are definitely are going to be situations where you don't know for sure until you get that person in the camp, just what they're, you know, what they're t truly made of. Yeah, but all those traits, I absolutely, you know, as you were saying, and I'm checking them off, like, they they absolutely coincide to um, what it takes to, you know, be a, a high-caliber, you know, athlete. And I'm just saying um, that aspect of heart is usually what takes those people over, you know, those extreme and ultimate, um, you know, athletes. They have, you know, they're goal-oriented and stuff like that, so they kind of absolutely um you know know where the, know where they want to go um with those attributes as well as you said but my, another question is um what about the what about the ones that read off as, as leaders you know what i'm saying um you know you have the leader that wants to be the leader that's the guy that's the front of the line that's assertive and then you have the guy that has all the leader characteristics but he doesn't care about being a leader he just you know wants to do his job and you know just get out there and and, and be a team player yeah, and in many respects, that 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 second one is maybe the one you, that you want, right? So I know in the business world, uh, the, the you know the person that wants to be the boss is usually the one that you least want to be that <laughs> boss, right? <laughs> it's you know it's those that have that 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 innate quality that you know that people are just drawn to that will just follow. I mean, they're 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 more uh, you know magnets for followers than they are necessarily uh, tooting their own horn and you know in in um, lobbying for that leadership role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it seems to me it's it's more like 
this is just another tool in an arsenal for a GM or for a program leader, for a CEO or hiring executive, right? So if, if there's, you know, if on the field talent, you know, isn't going to be uh, pushed aside, right? It's, if Keith and I, if Keith and I are, are vying for the same position on the field and I may, maybe I score higher and Keith, I'm not saying I would, but maybe I score higher on, on this type of test doesn't mean that you want me on the team compared to a guy with talent like yours. So it's definitely, uh, you know, balancing those things out. I'm thinking, you know, going back to the, to the Ryan Leaf, you know, Peyton Manning debate, you know, I think this would have, you know, come in brilliantly there and, and kind of played out probably the way that it should. I know, Keith, uh, you've become close or, or familiar with Ryan in, in the last couple of years and talk about sort of maturity. It seems like he's really taken a nice path. But this is what it seems like is that, hey, there's one A and there's one B. You know, if there's something that gives us an advantage or an edge that tells us to go with, you know, one B, um, you know, let's let's certainly take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you know, they talk about analytics and sports and everything evolves, you know, so I think that they're definitely, analytics definitely helps out when it comes to, you know, the draft room and going into someone's background and asking certain questions and getting certain responses based on the question that you, like, it, it, it's huge. And I feel that, um, you know, it obviously, it's some it's um in sports today and it would have helped um back then it was there just not as developed as it is now that's what I would definitely say. yeah tom says he's been doing it with with teams for 25 years so yeah. it was there just uh, like he's like he also said it, it's been evolving since then it also reminds me but quite you a think bit about like i don't like but you think about think about like all the great players that like came out you know back in the day like uh you know even like a Lawrence Phillips you know you knew things but the deep dive wasn't i don't think there you know and you know i just i said that cuz it just popped in my head cuz he was such a, a great player like and then you know you might even look at a, a Charlie Ward you know if the deep dive was there on a Charlie Ward he might have been in in an NFL uniform in, instead of in the NBA Madison Square Garden <laughs> I mean, look, it worked out. It worked out for him. But I'm just saying, I just feel that you know, because you brought up Brian Leaf and Peyton Manning, man, that was definitely almost 30 years ago. You know what right. I'm saying? So, well, well, even um, going back like Johnny Manziel and and you know Baker Mayfield, guys like that, that we'll see where it pans out. Yeah, like yeah, Tom. What would you? How would you like? You know, because obviously those guys, there was a deep dive into Johnny Manziel, and you know, obviously in in college, you know, um, you know. Shoot, he was getting in, in, into things in college. Um, is that one of those things where it's, it has nothing to do with the analytics? Because obviously you guys did your job. It comes down to a personal choice. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, right, it's, uh, you know, and as we've been saying, it's really one data point, right? So, um, you know, there is potential, and then, you know, how does that potential, you know, how is that supported? Uh, you know, with the people, you know, c coaching style and, you know, the people around you and uh, your personal choice, obviously, all of this plays a role. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, is it 100%? Absolutely not. But we do get to the point where, you know, we're right more times than wrong. If, you know, if, if someone exhibits the potential through these uh, psycho psychological assessments uh if put in the right situation it's, you still have to be in the right situation in order for you to maximize that potential yeah no that, that definitely makes sense you know i was like now i'm gonna say um i've seen a lot of players um that might not be in the right situation and you know also the mental toughness 
is is something for me that like stands out big between like you can have all the talent in the world but it could be the mental toughness of the the locker room or the mental toughness of a coach is kind of riding you the mental toughness of you know when you get turn a, a professional like you go home you got a uh, family and you have money you have all these different things so um are there any examples to you that stand out um of your your time working of a guy um and i'm not necessarily asking names but a, a study where someone just showed the the mental toughness um as an outlier you know what i mean of the study that you didn't expect um so uh, so are you asking that uh, they they showed up on the their, their profile as mentally tough but they weren't exhibiting that is that yes 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 that's where i'm at with it um, you know, it's a, it's actually, uh, it's, that, that is a good question. Um, you know, it, it's funny when we do these anecdotes where, you know, obviously we want to do the, we, we do it in more of law of large numbers and we do aggregate analysis and, uh, to come to these uh, conclusions about any particular individual. But when you look at the individuals, what we often find is, and what is usually more striking is when, the are going to be misses. So when they look like, you know, they have, uh, so in, in baseball, they, you know, you have a five tool player and they, they're like a can't miss from the scouting perspective until they miss. Right. And that, that probably out of, out of all of like the anecdotes and, and all of the individual stories that probably comes out more often than not is that we can predict someone that is going to struggle, uh, you know, more so than someone who is actually going to thrive. So if you have the, the traits right. to thrive you still need that environment you still need to to be supported in that regard but if you don't have them uh you know and it, it's more of a mountain to climb that becomes more obvious yeah. and it's like we, we it's like yeah. you know you might you know you might want to consider like not not saying that you know the the uh, you know that the, the physical skills and like you said before there are going to be some that you know no one's going to listen to us if we said lebron you know just you know just didn't quite have that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we'd be laughed at at best um but um yeah, but when we when we do see that you know they're just kind of wiping out on all of this stuff, and it's going to be a bit of a let's say project for whatever coaching staff gets a, you know gets a hold of this person, uh, that's where we see that it's you know it's much more likely that they're not going to make it. I have a sort of a front office question, and, and you guys are the the statisticians, the the doctors, the nerds, right? The analysts. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking about Moneyball, right? Mm -hmm, sure. Some really embraced it. Uh, some didn't. Uh, again, another tool, another arrow in the quiver, if you will. Uh, you know, even going back to, to things like Ball 4, right, where it's just yeah. sort of the, the brainiacs are just kind of like, again, talk about outliers. Right. Um, you know, sports are like that. Keith can tell you, I can tell you, anybody who's played a sport can tell you that, you know, you, you also have these jocks and these meads in there. You guys come in and you have these scouts that are trying to do their job and putting their sort of on-the-field profiles together. Um, you know, you, I, I can see you work with Temple, which is, you know, an academic environment and, and a couple pro teams. You know, you had mentioned to me that the Raptors and the Magic, mm -hmm. um, you know, progressive teams, I would imagine. Um, but do you ever get those guys that kind of dismiss you off the bat because you're not playing the sport and they've dedicated their lives to sort of being in the trenches? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, you're right. So we're coming at we're coming at it from the nerd perspective. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I was good enough to play high school ball and no more, right? So, like, what the heck do I know, right? Uh, yeah, no, we, we clearly got that. And it is a little bit of a, obviously, it's an uphill battle. And, you know, the, the, the thing is that you have to make it really clear, right? So, it's not like they're not going to read, like, a 40-page dissertation on, you know, uh, you know, on the 
the psychological makeup of an individual. What they want is you know, clearly, you know, this is what you, you, you're going to see in this person. This is what to expect. This is how to fix that person if they need fixing. Uh, you know, if you keep it, you know, con, con, concise and, you know, and, and try, you know, just try it. Just kind of, you know, uh, um, uh, pilot it, uh, you know, with a, with a couple of athletes. That's usually when we get them one over. But you're absolutely right. There are definitely, you know, coming from the nerd perspective, uh, yeah, what the heck do I know? Well, uh, well that is, said, has, yeah. has, has the money ball type of, you know, there has been a wave that's come in that's accepted. It hasn't made your job easier in, in selling the product. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Billy Bean has definitely made my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, nah, I was uh, <clears throat> thinking that when we when, uh, were having time on and I was reading up on, um, you know, his studies and in, in the article that was in, involved in the email, I was like, I was um, really interested to hear um, the perspectives, but he's pretty much spot on. But obviously, me being, you know, coming from the athlete perspective, you know, that was the first thing I jumped into, you know, um, not taking away from any of the attributes because those are all spot on. But, like, there are definitely ones that you just can't see, you know what I mean? And like like Tom said, like, look, you know, those are things we're not, we're not saying it's 100%. And also, it's like, um, like, are, are you taking about, like, if you were to do, like, yeah, so the study is if you're doing an NBA team and 15 players, if you're doing NFL, it's 53, correct? Or do you do bigger scales? How do you scale um, your studies? Uh, so, yeah, so when we're working with a team, it's usually they'll, uh, you know, uh, a couple of months before uh, before the draft, uh, they'll, you know, they'll just you know, send us a whole bunch of names uh, that they're considering, many of which, you know, will obviously never be drafted, but, you know, they're uh, sort of on the fringe or close. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, year over year test, uh, you know, a pool of, 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 um, of athletes of which a small fraction will actually, you know, make the draft. Um, and, uh, you know, in when we, when we do it on the college level, it's a little different because we're doing for different reasons. So, uh, for the student athlete, it's more of, uh, you know, what's next. It's, uh, you know, 99% of them are not going to be, uh, drafted. And so, you know, what is next? And so we do a lot of academic and early career professional development off of the field for those, uh, individuals. And we, you know, we, we test everybody, you know, the, the, the football players, as well as the fencers and the uh, tennis players and, you know, everyone else. Uh, but you know, it's, it's for a, a much different reason, uh, you know, largely around the, yeah, in the event you guys don't get drafted, you know, what can we do to actually get you started in your next career? Are you, um, able to take like, so, if, are you able to tell, I know you asked them a question, what are we able to do to get you started? But based off those um, tests that you're taking, are you able to tell them, look, you're best suited for this, you're best suited for that, based off um, these certain analytics, or do you, um, they come to you and ask you? Um, no, that's uh, yeah. So what we do is once we have them tested, we, we have, you know, we obviously we have a lot of data. We've been talking about it from the sports perspective and we have, you know, a couple of thousand folks that have made it to the pros that we have a lot of good data about. We have a lot, you know, with a couple of thousand more that are on the uh, D1 level, but we also have a whole wealth of information of data about the, uh, um, about the business world and about who's successful right. out there in various different roles and various different industries. And so not only can we say, Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, you kind of align with, uh, you know, those that we see, you know, that have strong OPS in baseball or, you know, that, that have a other that have made it successfully in the NHL. Um, we also have your, you know, using those same traits and those same scores, we can say, 
in addition to knowing that, we also know that you're, you know, you, you have the, the chops to be an entrepreneur or you have, you know, you're, you, you seem to have the, uh, the, the, the pattern that would be a successful senior leader, a good communication style, uh, you know, whatever it might be. But we have a, a large number of a large database of what we know about successful professional level, you know, in all kinds of industries. So, uh, so the, 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 the benefit of that for the D1 athlete is obviously to get them, so get them better on the field and doing that on the field coaching support, but, you know, maybe for them individually, the value really is in sort of understanding how to develop themselves early on into their next career. Yeah, I think that's huge. I, I could, you know, I feel that, you know, I obviously had it easy. I just went to the NFL, but I, I just remember like a lot of my boys, like, you know, that I played ball with kind of bouncing around. Like one of my best friends went to Wall Street and I'm like, bro, I know you don't need to be working on Wall Street in the office. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, that, that, that's great. Well, Tom, it was, a, it was a pleasure catching up with you. I know we got to hear you speak uh, back in September. and Thanks for coming out to our show. And, and we got to, to see you present the night before and was definitely fascinated then, again, with the Combine coming up, with uh, some of the news that's been in here. Uh, it's a really great perspective to bring in, and I hope and I'm glad that it seems that uh, more companies, more you know, sports teams in particular are, you know, embracing it. Uh, it's only going to help them and benefit them. I think they're missing out if they don't. But what's the uh, what's the best way to uh, get more information either on a particular study or the company itself? Um, yeah, actually, if for anyone that's interested, I mean, I can give you uh, I can give you an email, uh, and I can actually, if you're interested in any studies, I can send you uh, some white papers or some, you know, uh, some some things around the data that we have. Um, so that's uh, um, T. Schoenfelder. So it's a long name, but it's T. <laughs> T. Uh, like S. C. H. O. E. N. F. E. L. D. E. R. At Calipercorp. Tell you what, we'll put that in the uh, in the notes in the yeah, uh, in the various yeah, episodes. After, Might be easier. I, 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 be I, I had to do the phonetic spelling here in my notes, but yeah. it's quite a name. <laughs> that's but funny. Keith, um, great conversation today. Anything to add, or uh, I know you probably want to get back to the sun, and I'm gonna get back yeah, to the rain over here. Nah, I, I appreciate the insight, and uh, you know, I hope I ask some questions that um, you know, when athletes listen, they can kind of you know, you know, relate to, and maybe seek you out for maybe some life after football analytics. You know what I mean? What they're best suited for? Because I like that uh, transition part. Um, that you were speaking about with the the college kids, you know that of course they're not all, all going to go D one, but every player is eventually going to retire, and a lot of them come out not knowing what direction to go in. So, Tom, hey, it, it might be might be it might be this. It might, it might have to send some guys away. <laughs> I, I got to say too, I think that's a really a testament to those programs and those universities because you know a lot of them are just looking to you know maximize their product in the program on the field and then when you're done you're done so guys that want to look after uh, these other ones again not just the the big three the big two really but the fencer types of, of the world too i mean they give a lot to that program keith we always have the conversation about you know the, the value of a scholarship and uh you know paying athletes but you know when you know, maybe it's not at that level, but when they're able to provide extra services that's going to care for these guys long term, it's uh, it's nice to hear, nice to see. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you guys are actually doing a great job with that. You know, thinking about what we do, the what's next. Uh, so that's you know, it's awesome. And you know, anything we can do to help you and support you in that endeavor, please let us know. 
Thank you. It's it's as much educating that we we understand that as getting the word out to the masses and the, the people that need it to understand. Yeah, is the most that. difficult part. But that being said, uh, this is the outside game. I am Dom Povia. That is Keith Bullock. Find us online at theoutsidegame.com and the outside game on all our socials. Until hopefully next week, Keith. I think we're going to try to get back in studio pretty soon. Uh, thanks again to Tom, our guest. Thanks for Greg for some of the fill-in. Thanks everybody that came out to our event out in Miami. Uh, really appreciate it. Keith, have a great weekend. Have a great week. You guys, enjoy. Peace. See ya. <laughs>